Hello, and welcome to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. And to another exciting episode of Mornings with Joel CRE Podcast. So we appreciate that. <clears throat> so we have a uh, special guest with us today, James Crimes. We appreciate him being here. And uh, James, what's happening, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, Joel. How you doing? Thanks for having me this morning. Yeah, Glad absolutely. to be here. Yep, absolutely. Good to good to have you here. Good to see you here. And um, you've been a uh, regular supporter of the podcast, so we. Certainly, I welcome you back and thank you for being here as well. And it's good Appreciate to have you on as a guest. So, James, it's uh, it's great to have you here today. We were talking a little bit about your background, and um, you know, it's uh, kind of kind of interesting how you you got to where you are and where you are today, and some of the things that you're doing. So, uh, just uh, give us an introduction, introduce yourself, and then we'll um, we'll build on that. Awesome, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. First, I want to say I appreciate the opportunity to come in and, and, and share with you all and share with your, your listening audience. I, I, again, you are right. I, I do tune in to the show from time to time on, on Mondays. I'm always uh, learning something new by the guests that you have on the show. Uh, always, I'm, always, I'm always enlightened by the opportunity to meet and see like the different faces that you have um, come through. So I'm appreciative of that. For the people who may not know me, I am James B. Kines Jr., I'm the uh, broker for Rushman Moore Commercial Real Estate, where we specialize in tenant representation and business brokerage. And I guess the podcast today is going to kind of help you understand how we got from, from the bottom to where we are. <laughs> we still rising, though. I, ain't, I won't say we're at the top. We're still rising. But, uh, but, I'm, but I'm having fun, though. It's, a, it's been a great learning experience. Um, I've, been, I've been in real estate for probably like 12, 13 years now, but it's been coupled with some other experiences that has allowed have allowed me the opportunity to transition into the commercial space. And so I'm excited about kind of just shedding some insight and talking about some of the some of the things that I've done mentally and you know to prepare to make a transition and to uh and to ultimately make the transition. So um, I'm excited about it. Okay. All right. Well fantastic. That's that's really good. And just to kind of uh start off, you don't have to take us from cradle to grave, but uh, I found out the other day that you've gone to school with some people that have been on this podcast previously, and, and you've also went to school with some other notable folks, so uh, that's kind of interesting, your background right here in uh, Decatur, Georgia, you're, you're homegrown. Yeah, I am I am a Decatur guy. <laughs> I, I, actually, I was actually doing some site tours with a friend of mine who, actually, he's from Atlanta, he's from Decatur, he and I went to high school together. Um, he came in town, visited a couple of weeks ago. We were looking for some sites for development. He works more on the uh, development side of the industry and has done a high, lot of high level transactions from the banking side of real estate international as well as uh, local um, nationally here in, in the States. But he and I were riding and just kind of brought your name up, told him I was going to be on your podcast. He's like, man, I was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I'm thinking to myself, how did I miss the podcast you were on? So uh but yeah, Terrence is a really, uh, really good friend of mine. He and I graduated high school together, and we got some just phenomenal people in my high school class all together, all and from my high school as well. So it's, you know, a very community niche um, environment that we were able to grow up in. Really taught us a lot about, you know, formulating the proper mindset to be successful um, in life and to how to attack issues and problems in life and how to grow from them. 
So we're very uh, appreciative of that of that upbringing um, that we uh, participated in and had a chance to involve ourselves with. So, uh, so yeah, that's 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 a good thing uh, with Terrence. That was that was that was funny. Yeah, yeah, small world, small world. You got to tell them, don't be coming to my backyard developing stuff without me knowing about it. So, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. We're putting you in the loop now. We're putting you in the loop right now. <laughs> All right, well, sounds good. Sounds good. So, appreciate that. So, let's uh, let's go back a little bit because one thing I know um, that I've had a lot of discussion with, and and oftentimes a lot of the uh, the REAP students and other uh, ones that are on this podcast have asked is, okay, I'm in the residential side of the business. I've been selling real estate as an agent. Uh, but I really want to get into commercial and kind of up my game, if you will. So talk us through that a little bit. How in the world does a person transition from doing residential real estate and kind of really get their feet wet in the uh, commercial space? How would you recommend that or how have you done it? So that's a good question. I, I think it's, a, it's obviously layers to it. To be honest with you, I will start with, I think, I think you really have to understand, like, you have to do a self-evaluation per se. And what I mean by that is like you have to do a self-evaluation as far as understanding how you like to do business as you work in like the transaction world. So you have business to consumer as well as you have business to business. Uh, Now, an example for that for myself was when I was actually coming out of college, my first job, I sold Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door. I was in the neighborhoods. I'm probably not on some of you all doors, some of your parents doors and came and tried to do a demonstration with a $2,000 $2,000 vacuum cleaner in the front door. But as I learned... Oh, dirt on people's floor, huh? <laughs> it was such an emotional drive. I was It was it was an emotional drive for a sale or that, or that product. Um, but you're in people's homes. You're doing, like, a service. You're showing them, like, all the dirt in the house. You know, you're driving that emotion, driving that emotion. And then at the end of the day, they so emotionally riled up until you drop a price tag on them. They kind of like, I don't know if I want to do that. But... The learning process of it was it was hard not because you had to really like do a, a, a presentation that was fitting enough that they would want to, you know, make that investment. And later on in my work career, I had an opportunity to my corporate when I first my first corporate position, I sold office equipment, which was more business to business. So as I began like talking and dealing with more, you know, C-level individuals, more decision makers that were, you know, their decisions were not emotionally based prime example for that from for myself is i had an account uh that i called on and uh and they were growing fast and so they were buying equipment relatively fast so they were interviewing they had demos coming out for all the different office equipment companies so so my demo i was working with panasonic at the time and the demo um, that i put in the in in their office for a trial period it was just acting up it was not cooperating wasn't doing you know what it needed to do so I was kind of I was kind of nervous that I wasn't going to get the sale holistically because of that pro- because of that pro- problem with the demo. But lo and behold, I ended up earning earning the business. I got the sale, and the first deal they first one they bought from they cut a check for like twenty thousand dollars. And so I was like, wow! Like I was able to overcome all these objections just and 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 get the sale done. And when I saw that twenty thousand dollars check, I was like, if I was able to do that with a product that was acting up and wasn't performing properly. I know I can do that myself. Like, so that's kind of, so, but it, it is still like the aspect of how I like to do business. I like business to business. I like working with business owners. I like working with individuals that are in positions that their decisions aren't just, you know, dis, distinctly related to like an emotional drive, sort of like business to consumer. So 
So I kind of like in, you know, residential real estate more like it's kind of like more business to consumer. You, you're dealing with, you know, homeowners, the future homeowners, you know, in a lot of cases, it can be an emotional drive because they've developed like sentiment in their home or, you know, as you tour properties, for example, I, I, I tell when I was showing residential properties, I used to tell clients all the time, look, don't fall in love with the house while we tour them. Because people go in the house and they go to claim it, they walk around the house seven times, it's gonna be theirs with the walk, and all of a sudden it may not, it may not happen that way, you know, especially in this market, it's the seller's market. But you know, so it was more of an emotional drive versus you dealing with more of an analytical, more of a uh a business approach to a decision that someone would have to make. So once you can kind of put your mindset in the capacity of do you like to nurture individuals from a consumer capacity or do you like to nurture the, the idea of business from a business to business capacity? Once you, if you can, if you can evaluate and get to a conclusion about yourself and how you think and how you operate from that perspective, then that is the beginning step in my opinion, as far as knowing that you are, you know, can make a transition. I think, I think it's possible for anybody. Again, it's just a matter of doing what you are passionate about and finding that drives your thought process in a way that allows you the opportunity to go in and do the work that you like to do with passion because it's something you enjoy doing. So I think that was one of the first things that I, I would suggest is like to do a complete self-evaluation as to your thought process and your mindset on how you like to conduct business. Okay. All right. So that's interesting. I was kind of wondering how you were going to get from Kirby vacuum cleaners to commercial real estate. So it's so much more in between that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But um, but you tied it together nicely. So uh, one point that you brought out, which is I think it's spot on, is it's all about the mindset. You know, what does your mindset need to be uh, starting out in order to make this happen? Because uh, let's all face it. We all have those rough days where we're like, man. I don't know if I want to get out of bed and do this anymore, right? And right. if you don't have that that passion, uh, you're going to lay right there and, and go broke, right? You're not going to want to get up and, and get back in the fight and make it happen. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I completely agree with that. It's all about mindset. And then from there, if I was, let's say I was a, a, a licensed residential agent, you know, and I'm not, but if I was, if I was to jump into commercial real estate, what do you think would be the easiest transition? Because I hear a lot of folks wanting to go into commercial leasing. Then I hear others that want to go into actually commercial sales. And um, some of them start off with small commercial real estate. You know, so what, what are your thoughts on that? What, what area of entry do you think would be the easiest to transition to? So so I, w- I would say, and, and probably the next step would probably be like, if, if it's a consideration of yours, something that you're, you know, entertaining to do. Before, you know, the next thing I would say, once you evaluate your, 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 your thought process on how you like to conduct business, is you need to define your why. Like, why is it that you want to come over to commercial? Why do you want to do commercial? Is it, is it, you know, is it say, you know, the primary reason to to make a transition? Is it is it is it financial? Is it, is you know, you've heard like it's big money in the commercial? Is it, you know, you got a overpouring, overwhelming request from current clients that you're working with on the residential side that are also business owners who are leaning towards you because you are a subject matter expert to them. Is are and are they kind of driving you into like transitioning into doing commercial? So, so first, you know, I, I would say identify the why because you know the opportunity is there, but if your why is not big enough, like the industry is so challenging, it's so big, it's so broad, like to refine it and restrict it to exactly what it is that a, a, a discipline that may resonate with you that you can actually excel in. Like if you don't have a key, a, 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 clear, a clear why 
as to why you're even doing it. Like the rest of it is going to kind of, it's going to be jumbled up because it's not, you'll have a difficult time figuring out where I need to streamline my efforts in order to put myself in position that I could, you know, obtain some level of success, obtain some wins so that I can continue to grow and make things happen. So ask yourself, like, why do I want to do commercial? Is is it, um, are you tired of showing people houses? Like you t- tired of showing, you know, you tired of opening up doors, you tired of dealing with the emotional roller coaster of, of potential clients uh, from a, uh, from a residential perspective. And not all residential clients are bad and the emotional roller coasters and emotional wrecks. So don't get, don't get me wrong, but, but again, it's a different, it's a different drive as far as the mentality is concerned. And so you have to approach it with that kind of aspect. Like you're, you're going into it knowing that, you're going to have to bring a level of analytical prowess to the situation because you're talking to business owners. And a lot of it is going to be uh, involved in like numbers and a lot of, you know, situations that you may have to help them sift through, you know, opportunities that are presented to themselves. So, you know, identifying and defining that why um, that transition is important to you, I think is probably the next step to get into that next phase, Joel. Okay. All right. And that's a good point as well. We'll, we'll certainly accept that because, um, you know, what might be an easy transition for one person might not fit the why for another person. And they'll be miserable doing it uh, as opposed to just jumping in because they thought it was easy. So, and, uh, and you bring up a valid point as well because uh, you can make a, a tremendous living selling residential real estate. You know, we, we see that out there all the time, right? But right. It's not, a, it's not a bad thing. And sometimes those checks on the commercial side can spread out as well, you know, and not be as consistent. So you have to look at that as well as that kind of breaks down. So. Very good point from that standpoint. So at this point, what would you say is, is your expertise? Because I know you're, you're teaching classes as well. And uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and, and what areas uh, you have chosen to focus in on and specialize in. So that goes to our next point, actually. You, you, I'm reading all my paper over here, George. <laughs> <laughs> no that's problem. good. So now that's awesome. So I, I'm, a, I'm a tenant. I define myself as a tenant rep broker and a business broker. And, and, and that is basically based off of me defining my past experiences and that allowed me to transition into it. So again, I sold, I sold office equipment. I was very, the the office equipment industry was very diversified in, in how I was an account executive. I didn't specialize in just selling office equipment to medical offices or to attorney's offices, or we had some guys, they had like major college accounts and stuff like that. So I was very general across the board. So I was able to call on mom and pops. I was able to call on corporate clients as well. And it, and, and it was very industry agnostic in the approach on how that began to develop my approach and mindset on, on that whole aspect. Now, to get to the to, to the reason why I even got my real estate license, well, that's I, I came out of a transaction where even when I left uh, corporate and I began working with a sports agent and a business management firm, I actually was called into another industry that was completely, completely different than what I was actually doing with, with, with those guys and, and those organizations. But I wanted to get back into like doing something transactional. And that was that was kind of like part of my why. But I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it at the time. I, I, I was managing a barbershop in downtown in Buckhead. I was you know, I'm a master barber, too, if you, if you don't know I already. So. But I was facilitating stuff with people that were coming in the shop because you had, again, diverse clientele. I had guys that were coming in that were doing like different things in life. You know, you had marketing executives, you had, you know, doctors, you had lawyers. They were just it was like the clientele base was so diversified that I was able to reach and touch and talk to people that operated in different capacities, you know, in different industries. So 
I had a I had a I had a friend of mine that suggested like, you know, they they asked me how I was going to get paid from facilitating these types of deals from behind the chair, and and you know, coming out the, of a transaction world where I get either a percentage of a deal or percentage of a gross deal or something of that nature. I'm thinking the same thing. Like it's gonna probably be the same formula. And and someone suggested like you may need to try to solidify yourself a little bit more so that you bring a little more credibility to the table. And they said it sounds like you're trying to do business brokerage. And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. And they had a they had a they had clients um that were actual business brokers and they were able to, you know, facilitate the introduction where we were able to have a conversation about business brokerage. And you know, it was two young ladies, they were talking to me about what business brokerage was and buying and selling the business and working with business owners and entrepreneurs, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, wow, this is exactly what I want to be doing. Like, cause I, cause I, when I was, I was a business manager, I was recruiting athletes that were in the process of transitioning from college to the league. So a lot of that stuff, I was, I wanted to be able to bring certain things to the table for these guys as they were looking for like opportunities to invest outside of just the, you know, stock market. They were looking for investment opportunities, you know, tangible um, opportunities as well. And so when she was like, they were telling me I needed to, you know, get my real estate license to do business brokerage. That was my next step. That was the next phase for me to, to go get the, the, the real estate license. Um, now, the part about that was it was such a logistical challenge once I got my license to go and hang my license to go work with them, per se, because I had a massive clientele coming through the shop and that was, what was paying bills at the time. So it was it was truly challenging to just say, I can how can I? pick up this career, move over to another career that is 100% commission that, you know, I had to create a complete new pipeline of clientele. So the the small world thing that happened was a guy that was coming in the shop and he was an actual broker and, you know, he got wind that I was getting my license. And so he approached me one day and was like, Hey, um, you know, I hear you getting your license when you, when you pass, when you, you know, if you pass your exam, you can just come hang with me. And so the benefit to him was he was right up the street from the shop. So I was able to kind of, you know, hang my license with him. If I needed to go to the shop, need to do meetings, I can walk up the street. And I can, if I had clients that were coming to the shop, I can walk, walk back to the shop. I can I can deal with them. But the, can you get a the, free haircut too? No, nah, ain't no free haircut. Going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> ain't no free haircuts popping up. <laughs> Not at all. That was, that's, a, that was a good try, though. That was a good try. That was a good try. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, so so he uh so but 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 the downside I think to that opportunity was although I was I was active and I was learning more about just the real estate industry as a whole mm-hmm. I wasn't learning anything about what I ultimately want to do which was the actual business brokerage part and and once I got wind about um doing business brokerage that's when the commercial real estate aspect inter- introduced itself to me as well so. So along that path, I just kind of went from brokerage to brokerage, trying to find like that niche on how can I find that right individual that can, you know, take me under the wing, which is uh, go to my next point, Joel. You got to find mentorship. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, and, and that was the part of that that plan. At the time, I had uh, opened up my first shop, and but I also had a position with a sports performance facility out in Swanee that I was going to. And so I'm working with the sports agents, working with the athletes. You know, it's kind of like, it was seemed like it was all over the place, but for me, it was kind of like all it was like one, it was it was almost one lane for me. So, so I know somebody out on the outside looking in, they're like, man, you got a lot going on. But for me, it was like it's just kind of one hand washing the other as far as I was concerned. And so I ended up showing a home to one of the sports agents who was looking to relocate to Atlanta. And the actual agent who had the home listed, you know, she got wind that I was around these pro athletes and these guys preparing to be pros. So she was. 
obviously trying to create a, a, a longer term relationship because there may have been some future business for her somewhere down the road. You know, you just never know. It was part of the networking process. But she asked me a question and she was like, well, what is it that you really want to do in real estate? And I was like, I really want to get into commercial, but I'm having a hard time trying to find somebody to help me get through, get in that lane. And so so she had a friend. She worked with Keller Williams at the time. And so she had a mentor who was actually a commercial agent. And that's all she did was commercial real estate. She facilitated a meeting with the young lady and myself. And um, she actually said, hey, I'll mentor you. If you move your license over to Keller Williams, I'll mentor you and start showing you some ropes on the commercial real estate side. So that was the first move for me to really begin working with someone who was intentional about helping me begin to understand the industry and grow like some knowledge on the commercial side. Again, Keller Williams was still a primary, uh, primarily, it was primarily a residential firm. And so a lot of the training, a lot of the, the classes that were offered, you know, a lot of the information, it was geared towards residential real estate. So, so although I had a mentor, I still wasn't with a firm that was quote unquote fully a commercial firm, fully providing us with the tools to go out and build a commercial portfolio of, of, of business. So, so it just took a time, it took a lot of time for me to really understand like how I needed to kind of move forward. And um, and the, and the good thing about doing transactions and doing leasing and stuff like that, I was I had clients that I, I was working with, and that's how I actually ended up working for the first company that was a full commercial real estate firm because I co-opted the deal, co-brokered the deal with the young lady. She was a full-time commercial um, broker. And she asked me, like, again, one day, well, you know, if you want to do commercial, why don't you come and work with us? You know, we'll still let you try to, if you need to do some residential deal, we may still be able to let you do that. And so I ended up moving my license to that company until they decided that they want to do straight class A real estate. And I had to make a choice again as to what I want to do because I was still behind the chair. I was still wanting to, I wanted to be very general. I didn't want to, like, constrict into one level of a discipline. So, so the long short of it is I, I went back to a a relatively a residential firm, but I had more commercial knowledge at this point in time. So, so that's how I kind of began to really get into my feet wet because I was able to find like, you know, certain mentors and certain people who were able to kind of pull me in and kind of give me, you know, give me a little game here and there about what I need to do. And if we were working transactions, they'll, they'll, they'll be available for me if I needed to call on them in that kind of capacity. Okay. All right. So it's, um, it, this is, a. Uh... It's, a, it's an interesting subject and an interesting path because, you know, one thing that um, we always struggle with in, in business is you look at people that might be on the top of the mountain, if you will, and it looks like they had a straight trajectory to get there, you know, and that one day they just woke up and they did X, Y, Z, and all of a sudden they were extremely successful. One thing that, um, you know, you're helping us to appreciate here is that it's not always like that. You know, if you're on the ground and you're you know, you're, you're trying to pay your bills on a daily basis, but at the same time, you're trying to advance yourself and move to that next level. And it's not always that simple. It's not always a straight linear path. Exactly. It's setbacks and you go to this company and that doesn't work out. And you go to this other company and you kind of bounce around. So um, what it looks like, despite all of that, you still have been moving forward in your, um, your goals and your aspirations from that standpoint, which is good. I do want to do this at, at this point and start opening up the line to um, to folks that may have questions or uh, if you have something you want to put in the chat, you can do that or raise your hand and we'll try to get to you and start answering those. But in the meantime, uh, what else do you have there on your list that you wanted to make sure that uh, we cover, you know, before we uh, 
we start taking those additional questions. Because you mentioned mentorship. I think that's extremely important. You know, that's part of what REAP does and, and these other organizations is just try to provide that mentorship. Right. You got to have that. What other things do you think is important that a person needs to know if they try to make those transitions? Well, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned REAP, and I think REAP is obviously an important segue for me uh, because REAP, REAP is what really like the class. When I enrolled in, wasn't I? I saw the, I think I saw an ad on Facebook or somewhere before I applied to REAP in 2016, and and my class was the first class back from the 2012 class, and they had a four year gap before, and so we were like the first class to come back. And to be honest, like just the information and knowledge from REAP was like just so it was like so on point as far as helping you find the direction. Because I think like the most important thing is, you know, once you find the why, you know, you can define this past experiences is, okay, what direction do I go from there? So, you know, it was it was in REAP. And I think I don't remember what week T. Dallas taught the class, but he ended up teaching the class on, and he based the class around the book that he has 32 steps of tenant rep. And so as he was like describing like what he was, what he did as a tenant rep broker and talked about some of those processes and those steps, I was like, man, that's what I've been doing. Right. Like the whole like, so I never knew like what the, what the title was, what, what the, what the, how to frame it in the, and, and to say, okay, this is what I'm doing. And, and you know, all in all, before I was just, okay, I want to do commercial. Like I was just want to do some commercial real estate, want to do commercial real estate. But so REIT was very important to really help and identify what that lane would look like for myself moving forward. And, and I think that was important because it really like, I think it shortened the curve from just kind of throwing spitballs up against the wall, hoping they stick, hoping you find an opportunity, hoping you find a mentor that can, even with finding the mentor, you still kind of need to know somewhat what you want to do. Um, so it's some research that you would need to do on your part so that, you know, as you approach it, you can find a mentor that's doing what you're doing um, at the end of the day, uh, what you desire to do moving forward. So, so I think, you know, so REIT was a game changer for me. Once I finished with REIT, I actually, I interviewed with a, with a couple of companies uh, that, because I, you know, my plan at that point in time was I had the, the year prior to that was, yeah, I got my broker's license. So at that point I knew I can create and, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you know, and created brand, creating brands before I knew if all this fails, if, if, no one hired me and no one decided to bring me onto their team to help grow their organization. I knew at the end of the day, I can create one. And that was my fallback. And as a broker, I could create as many entities as I desired to do. Uh, and so once I created Rushmore after after interviewing with a couple of companies that didn't you know, want to bring me on, I, I already knew that the lane was going to be tenant rep and business brokerage. And I, because I knew that it was a, it was a, it was a, a lane that could bridge a gap between Clients looking for location site selection from office retail to clients that were looking for existing businesses. They to to me they're all entrepreneurs. To, to how we frame it, we work with entrepreneurs. Like we like to position ourselves with entrepreneurs, and we can meet them on any end of the spectrum. Um, we've had examples of clients who made you know they wanted to open up a, a, a store from the ground up, and we talked them talked about a strategy, and part of that strategy kicked in was how about we look at something that's already cash flowing and turnkey. Mm-hmm. And that became a different strategy. So as I was evaluating how other companies were operating, you know, only I think one or two of them even really had like that dynamic as, you know, you know, tenant rep and business brokerage in it. And some of them, they were bigger than me, obviously. So they actually encompassed more than just tenant rep. They had they, they were pretty much full service. 
So they did, you know, landlord rep, they did tenant rep, they did management, they did business brokerage. Whereas I wanted to really like refine it and become and just be do more tenant rep business brokerage. So so identifying the right broker to work with, the, uh, the right brokerage to work with that's doing what you have a desire to do, I think is important. But getting that information, getting that knowledge to understand what it is that you might want to do is also important. You talk about the class. So the class was actually a byproduct because I had a young lady who was very interested in, you know, becoming a real estate agent. Uh, and, you know, initially she thought she was going to have to do residential at first. And so I broke it down like, no, you just got to get with the right the broker that's doing what you want to do because ultimately she wanted to do commercial. So she was actually applying to go into class to, to get a license, but I was trying to get her in the REIT program, but she missed one of the qualifications that would uh, that would allow her into the program. And so I'm sitting back like, well, she on fire and she ready to really go. So I you know how do I create an opportunity where she can still get into this industry? Because like we're none of us are like, in my opinion, like gatekeepers, like, you know, who can, who can, why are we keeping people out of the industry? Because they don't, may not have this or may not have that when you can coach them and train them at the end of the day. And they have all other, they have work ethic, they have perseverance, they have all the other tangible things that they need to be successful. They just need that path to get, to get down. So, so that was the way, that's how I created the class. I ended up creating the class because I was going to train her off the curriculum of the class because I wanted to bring on the team and get her up to speed. And so, uh, so I created the principles of commercial real estate class. uh, And I just wanted to talk within the class about just, you know, basics, one-on-one commercial real estate roles and representation so that, you know, it gives individuals who are looking to either make a transition from residential real estate into the commercial real estate space, just an idea of who who the players are, how you may be able to fit into like that gambit of playing in the game based off of your past experiences or, you know, a clear vision of where it is that you desire to go moving forward. So, so I was appreciative that you know, for me, that was it was cool that they didn't let her in because it gave us the opportunity to now create something that, you know, that can be a different alternative to help other individuals that may not be able to get into all the programs that can expose them to all aspects of commercial real estate. And and, and it's been and pan out. I mean, you know, so the school, the class is now certified as a C class with two real estate schools. We've been, you know, putting on classes now. Um, we had we had over almost 600 registered for one of my classes about three weeks ago and about 265 showed up for that class. That was, um, that was an awesome experience, um, moving forward. So, so I'm appreciative of having that opportunity to create that type of, uh, that platform so that, you know, we can, we can do our part in, in right. you know, making, making this industry as diverse as it needs to be. Gotcha. So what exactly is the, is the live gigantic real estate school? Is that, uh, Live gigantic. Yeah. I'm sorry, live gigantic. Yeah, that's Eric. Live. Yeah, yeah, Eric, Eric Keys. Eric Keys offers uh, some real estate classes. He also offers a. Um, he does a. He does a great classes on um, on on firearm protection for like for real estate agents. You know, being able to protect yourself in the marketplace mm-hmm. um, from scrupulous clients. You know, you know, showing properties and things of that nature. So, uh, so so he's had he's had this school. He's been you know really pumping out quality content as far as the classes are concerned. So I uh, you know he actually Eric and I we met. I think we probably met about three, four years ago. We met before the pandemic and uh, we actually kind of stayed in touch. And, you know, he kept, he called me one day and I said, man, I got this class I'm putting together. It's for agents, for, it's, it's, it's for residential agents that's 
interested in commercial industry is, you know, like a one-on-one commercial class. And he's like, man, I got to get this class CE. I've been, I've been wanting to do a commercial class. And so we just made it happen. And, um, and it's, it's been going well from there. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. So any other tidbits that we've uh, left out, haven't covered yet as regards um, inspiring and uh, encouraging other ones to get into the space? I, I, I guess before we get to questions and, um, I, w- I would say as you as you as you begin, you know, if it's if making a transition is something that that is definitely you know on your mind as you you know evaluate your past experience, evaluate your mindset, begin to speak as though you are already in the industry. Speak as though you already own it. Speak is speak is that speak as though you're already there. And I know sometimes that's challenging because you may not have like certain lingo to know what to say, but you have to mentally project yourself as already being there because you, you got to think like you know our path. You know, and I'm pretty sure most of us who have tried to make a transition or got our real estate license similar to myself, it was something that we were doing in transitioning from another career. The difference in most cases in how you see agents come into like the commercial space versus coming into the residential space is they come straight out of college going into commercial. Like so they catch it. They catch them when they're young. They they young. They put them on these programs to get them trained up. It was funny. I was, I was showing the office space the other day a couple weeks ago in Buckhead and so I was just having a small talk with the, with the agent she worked with a bigger a bigger firm and so I asked her like you know well how did you how you how did you end up um working with this company and she's like well <laughs> I mean I I, I, interned, I interned with them and you know they didn't even have a position for me after I interned but I just loved it so much and I you know so she basically she basically telling me that they they created a position for her. And I was thinking to myself, man, that got to be nice that they just created the position for you. So like, but I'm saying like, man, like why, why aren't we in certain positions for those positions to be created for us at the end of the day? And it, and for me, it was just a stark distinction as far as like the path coming into the commercial space, you know, straight out of college, how they recruit commercial brokers from the start versus a residential agent that's looking to make a transition into the commercial space. It's it's and finding finding the tools to get the exposure and the training can it can be daunting, but you just got to stay at it and get involved with organizations that are doing something with what you're doing. So, with all that, just you know, I would say build your network. You know, leverage you uh, leverage with a lot of the other residential agents that you may know if you're looking to make a transition because you're gonna have to focus at the end of the day. You're gonna have to put the time and focus in and. It will be challenging working with a broker and you're trying to still go show houses and you're trying to get them to train you on commercial light. That's 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 probably number one reason why they don't hire residential agents at, at major firms, because that learning curve, like they 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 gonna they don't they won't have the tools for you to go show houses. And if you kind of like I got to go show a house, they it's going to be a, it's going to be a pull teeth on, on their end. So. Uh, so, yeah. OK. All right. Very <laughs> interesting. Appreciate you sharing that. Let's. um. Uh, Theta had a uh, question here. What methods do you use to prepare new inner city small business owners for leasing or purchasing commercial real estate? So uh, what method do you use to uh, prepare ones in that regard? Oh, that's a good question. So that's uh, that's really, a, uh, it's really case by case because all entrepreneurs are, you know, are rarely in the same place at the same time as far as their process is concerned. So uh, one, one of the things we do is just like, we, I, I like to start asking questions. You know, I ask them, what are they? Why? What's your why? Why do you think you're ready to go into a space? Like what's, what's, mm-hmm. what's precluding you for, for make want to make a decision into taking on a leash at this point in time. 
and evaluating their opportunities, evaluating where they want to go. Here's the thing, later you got to understand, like once they start talking about they want a space and they want the space in a certain location, they want space to be a certain size, they want the space to, they want their budget. Their budget is fit to cost a certain amount. Like you done, you, you done narrow down so many opportunities just, just by that. In them three sentences, you can narrow down, you can narrow down, when I say narrow down, meaning like you you restrict your opportunities as far as spaces to place them in because they're not, you have to understand like strip plows or strip malls or whatever aspect of real estate you're actually putting them and taking them into, like there is limited spaces. And so if you're a mom and pop startup, you're still competing with national brands. So one of the things that I like to do is try to make sure that they are prepared from a brand identity perspective. Like how do we make sure that if I present your idea your concept to a landlord rep how do you stand out or do you stand out or am i just calling them telling them your idea um hey i got a company they want to do this and the landlord rep over there scratching their head like well, who is this company like what are they like who, who are we talking about and getting people to kind of open up about what they're doing sometimes it's challenging but once you from a tenant rep side you know our thing is to help them understand we work we're working on your behalf we working for we basically are working for you to get you in position to attain the space. And we're talking about a lease side, you know, actually, you know, the acquisition side is, you know, a little different monster, um, Joel, you know, from a, uh, from a financing capacity, like that's going, that takes a lot of other level of preparation, you know, tenure in business, you know, previous financials, uh, credit score or business um, score, a business credit score. If you've been in business long enough to take out a loan um, with your business, the acquisition aspect is on is is more quali- qualification, and to have good people on your team to you know refer individuals over to like good financial if capital people who raise capital or uh, commercial lenders would be a good opportunity to to spread that out because you don't have to have all the answers to everything they're trying to do. Um, definitely allow other people on your team or in your sphere that specialize in certain things to to make you look better by sending you sending them to them and allowing them to work that process through and through. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And uh, she had another question here as well. Any suggestions on getting economic development corporations to respond in this virtual environment? They aren't in the office and aren't responding. So any, uh, any thoughts for how to skin that cat? I know when I go to a lot of events, I see a lot of economic development people there. So you may just have to evaluate the spirit you in and where you're hanging out. If they ain't in the office, they somewhere. So you got to, I guess find find the 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 appropriate networking events that will put you in position with those people that that you're that you're looking to get in touch with. You know, that's 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 what I would say. You got to network. You got to network. You can't never stop networking because y'all. You know, with with social media, with with technology, it's no longer six degrees of separation. It's more like a half a degree of separation at this point. So you you're like you network and re- meet the right person. I mean, I'm on this show. Because at this point in time, because of a half of someone that I know I've known for a while, it was the networking. If she and I had known each other, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Joe, I was gonna be on here eventually, though, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Not right now. I'm preempting. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. Um, well, hey, I mean that, but you you bring up a point. That that network gets tighter. Um, you know, obviously we. We know the the network that we're we're talking about. We'll leave that right there for now. But um, even Terrence, um, you know, I've known Terrence for years, you know, and I've known right. his partner even longer, right? And so uh, for them to get together, and then for me and him to get together a few weeks ago, and now you get together with him, and 
I mean, it's, it's all kind of how it all ties together. And then we know that there's not a whole lot of minorities in this space anyway. So at some point, we're going to run across each other. Exactly. And, uh, and do that. Yeah. So networking is a is a big part of it. You know, we hope COVID cooperates a little bit and, you know, goes away. But um, nevertheless, uh, we just got to work around it and kind of go from there. So good point. Appreciate that. And uh, Theta, we um, appreciate your questions there. And uh, she responded with great advice. So I guess that answered the question. So, so that was very good, very good from that standpoint. If there's any other questions, uh, you guys let me know or raise your hand. I'll put it in the chat box. We'll get to that as well. So in the meantime, while we're waiting on that coming in, you know, James, you, you, you took us down a path today that was, um, you know, kind of like this. You know, what was, how, did, how did you get to where, where you are today? And it's, it was up, down, it was cutting hair, it was selling vacuum cleaners, it was doing all this stuff. You know, but I'm very happy to have you on because you're you're homegrown. You know, you're not a, a transplanted talent. You're you're homegrown right here and you know, you're doing your thing in your own neighborhood. I'm even trying to do stuff in my own neighborhood. You know, <laughs> because there, there's something about that, right? Right. You're trying to do stuff in your own community. And um actually there's the stuff that we're doing in New Orleans came about because I was helping somebody in their old neighborhood, which is why I even got down with it because I knew they knew the neighborhood. Right. So, so that that's what it's all about. But, you know, one question I always ask myself, and uh, I even have a, a book about this, and it, it's a five-year planner. You know, where do you want to be in five years? What does it look like? What does your life look like in five years? And, um, you know, I always go back to the question of what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, are you doing those things that you wanted to do when you were a kid and you had the whole world in front of you? You know, money was no object. The sky was the limit. You had youth, you had energy, you had good health, you had all that. You know, where would you be and where did you envision yourself? So if I was to ask you, you know, where are you trying to take Rushmore uh, as a company? You know, where do you want to be when you grow? Where do you want your company, to, what do you want your company to look like as a grown business, as, a, as an adult, mature, you know, business from that standpoint? And obviously that's not insulting because like I said, I ask myself the same question every day. Right. Um, so where, where do you want to be uh, when you grow up with uh, with your business and everything else at this point? So, you know, when I first when I first started, I obviously kind of just took a mindset to, you know, build your own table at the end of the day. And, you know, when you do that, you can have you can create opportunities for other individuals to, you know, operate in a greatness as well as as you synergize and grow together and moving forward. So over time, and that takes time. Uh, it takes time to find the right personnel, right people, right partner in situations, uh, right people to help you grow. I've been taking my time, to be honest with you. Before I even begin, like, bringing on agents, I, I want to just focus on, you know, learning the industry, you know, myself, uh, learning what I want to do so that I can, you know, relatively work on perfecting the craft. But I, I just think, like, Five ten years from now, we're gonna be we 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 premiere right now, and we're on the verge of going even further, you know. And, and we premiere because it's the mindset. Like it ain't got nothing to do with how many transactions you did, anything of that nature. It's what do you believe about yourself? Or what do you believe about your company? What do you believe about your firm? And I say we premiere and improving. We trying to get better every day. Just onboarded. We onboarding about three um, new new brokers. I got probably two more about to come on. I know, like you know. Over 85% of the new businesses that are, are created and opening up are, 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 are women-owned businesses. And so with this industry definitely growing and increasing in inclusion and diversity at the same time, I'm, I'm definitely looking to, you know, not only bring qualified individuals to the table, um, but individuals who are coachable 
individuals who are ready to elevate their their, their situation um, through this industry, and those who understand like the the, the that is it's a patience game, um, and, and it takes um, it takes time. We've already kind of like really solidified like certain agreements, like we had a a, a broker partnership agreement with tenant base that cuts a lot of our growth in half, like because we're getting qualified leads through tenant base right now that is allowing us to really like work the market where these are like warm calls. Like these are like prospects that are ready to go, ready to be in spaces um, versus our own clients, our own prospects that we have to cultivate in certain ways. Going back to Theta's um, question, when, when there are people who may call me, they may know us, they may know me. You know, they need a little more development as far as getting their their, their presentations together. When now you got an opportunity to work with clients, national clients already that have, you know, through just relationship and partnership. So being smaller, being a boutique allows us opportunity to be flexible in our approach. I get, you know, calls from other companies who are looking to do certain different levels of type of partnership agreements and deals with us. And, you know, it's, it's been just a great, you know, transition and movement. So. So same thing to somebody, you know, 20 years to do, it might, might, might not take us, but five years to do. I don't know. I'm just pushing right now. I often say like, I don't really, I, I try not to even plan as much. You know, I was, I was working my plan when I got called into barbering. Like I was doing what I really desired to do at the time. And that was working with um, athletes and a business management firm. I had other agents, uh, clients I was working with too. And it took a complete shift. And I knew it was a divine shift at the end of the day, but the divine shift is what put me here. I often tell people, like, if I probably didn't answer that call to turn that barbershop, I probably wouldn't have got my real estate license because it, was, it wasn't even on my radar of something to do at the end of the day. But it was because I was in that position, in that situation, and I began, like, still operating in what I was, which is a facilitator. Someone made a suggestion to me, and it kind of steered my path into going to get the license. And that was what, you know, put us in position to kind of be at this place right now to just really grow a brand and grow a company and grow a team. You know, my orcas, I call them. We some killer whales out here. We hunting. <laughs> okay, all right. Keep hunting, man. <clears throat> right. Very, very encouraging from that standpoint. And um, one thing I, I must say is uh, you definitely have a do not give up mentality. You know, just keep going, keep pushing, keep uh, keep the, the endurance, uh, mentorship, networking, all those are very, very fine principles and things to keep in mind as uh, you continue to advance your career. So we certainly appreciate that. We thank you so much for being here today. Do you have any final comments uh, for our audience uh, as regards um, anything else you want to share with us? I would just say, if, you, if you're looking to make a transition, education is very important, but educate, educate yourself while you're doing it. Go to class, in the class junkie. Don't be a seminar junkie. You got to get out here and do it. The, 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 the knowledge is in the mistakes at the end of the day. You know, they can't sue you, but for so much. So don't worry about <laughs> go out here and do it. Just keep pushing. Keep pushing and edu- educate yourself while you're doing it at the end of the day. Now, that's, 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 I'll leave you with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's actually interesting. Um, there, there was a TV show where um, they were mentoring some, some younger ones. And uh, there was a guy and he had like multiple degrees and had this and had that. And, and they were like, well, dude, when are you going to get to work, man? I mean, all you're doing is sitting in the classroom. You know, you're racking up these degrees, which is good. But at some point, you got you to gotta put that to work. You, you, know? you, you can't just sit there in a, in a classroom all day. Right. So, um, you know, very fine point. You know, it's all about putting in the, putting in the work at the end of the day. And uh, I like that tagline, you know, the, 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 the training is, well, how did you say it? The education is in the mistakes. 
I think that's yeah, the, the, the knowledge is in the mistakes. The knowledge is in the mistakes. So I'm going to keep that in mind because uh, if you don't get out there and try, you won't score 100% of the shots you don't take, right? So you got to get out exactly. there and make it happen. So certainly appreciate that, James. It's been a pleasure having you today. And uh, for all of you here in attendance, this has been the uh, Mornings with Joel CRE podcast. We thank you so much for being here as well. And James, thank you again. And thank uh, we you. look forward to seeing you guys next week on another episode of the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Please check back weekly to hear our upcoming guests.